The following audio is from Overland Park Community Church. More information about OPCC can be found online at overlandpark.cc. Welcome to OPCC. Welcome to those of you joining online. If you have your Bibles, turn to Romans chapter 12. We'll pick up in verse 3. We handled a couple of verses last week, and so we'll start in verse 3 today. When I was in fifth grade, they had this program. I don't know if they still have it today. They had this program called Gifted and Talented. Do you guys have that? Well, I was in that. <laughs> but, and so I was in this Gifted and Talented program and dealt with like math and writing. And uh, I'd moved to a new school district. And so I got, I got put in this program. The other one didn't have that. And uh, my buddy across the street, um, he was my lifetime friend. Um, best friends uh, all throughout life. He was the best man in my wedding. But uh, he was not in this gifted and talented program that I was in. But they put him in the gifted and talented art program. And I wasn't in that. And I thought, surely they have made a mistake because I am way smarter than that guy, right? That's what I had in my mind. So I kind of leaned in and I talked to my mom. I don't know if I talked to my teacher or somebody, but somehow I got a tryout in gifted and talented art. It took me one time to figure out I did never want to go back to that class again. And I could not draw anything. I was so uncomfortable. I was like, I do not have that gift and I do not have that, that talent. Um, and I'm still amazed by people that do have that gift and have that talent. Um, our daughter, Caitlin, she's, she's very good at drawing things. My grandpa was great at, at drawing. I just, man, I, I can barely draw a stick guy. And uh, it's so bad that one time when I was pastoring, I went to this uh, uh, kind of a regional pastor's conference. It was about, um, you know, a ministry conference of guys in the area that were doing ministries, more of an encouraging place uh, for us to share. There was, there was probably about, I don't know, 100 people there or something and um, we would sit around between sessions at these tables and visit. And I happened to be visiting with this one pastor that was a little bit younger than I um, was. And um, he was bivocational, worked uh, pastor at a church in Stillwater, Oklahoma. And he told me he was a professor of art at the uh, Oklahoma State University. And I was like, well, that's pretty cool. I was like, man, you couldn't teach me to draw anything. And he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I, I could. I was like, no, you don't understand, man. I, you couldn't teach me to draw anything. I don't have that talent in my life. And there was a picture hanging on the wall behind him of some abstract art, just a little picture. And, and we were at this hotel thing, right? I was like, and so I looked at it. I said, no, that picture back there, I could do something like that. And he said, that's my painting. <laughs> <laughs> and so my buddies, man, they still get a kick out of that uh, to this day. <laughs> Uh, but I've come to uh, be okay with the, uh, that, that there are some things I'm just not good at, and, and other people are much better than, than me. And Paul, he dives into a little bit of that today in our text, and, and we're going to get in there and, and learn about that. We, we learned in chapters 1 through 11, and this is a really important part of the division of Romans, is that the first 11 chapters are about what God has given us, Okay. So God has given us things uh, to help us. And obviously, he's given us himself in the form of Christ uh, taking on flesh and God becoming a man in the form of Jesus and, 
And so he's given us justification and, and freedom and, and forgiveness and, and grace and mercy. And all of this stuff translates into what we give God. Now, it's really common in the church for people to really focus on what we give God before they think about what God gave us. And that's how you end up with legalism and self-righteousness and a, and a broken mentality when it comes to the things of the kingdom. We have to first focus on what God has done and given to us before we can ever give God anything. It is that we receive from him, he makes a deposit into our lives through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it is through that power and that cleansing and that fellowship that we have anything to offer back to God. And so we have to learn how to take what we've learned in chapter 1 through 11 um, and translate that into living, which is basically chapters 12 through 16. And so we become living sacrifices. That's what verse 1 said in this, this text, that we are to be living sacrifices to the Lord. Now, I was visiting with um, a new friend to the church, Charles. We had lunch this week, and he said, you know what the problem with a living sacrifice is? I said, no. And he's like, that thing will get up and get, crawl off the altar. And I was like, that's right. That is the problem that we face in the kingdom is that even though we are living sacrifices, we're constantly battling with the flesh who wants to crawl away from the things uh, of the kingdom and get focused on stuff that really doesn't matter. And so as, as living sacrifices, what should we be doing in the kingdom? Like what, what are we to be involved in in the kingdom? Well, Paul, he takes that up and, and, and that's what this, this text is about. It helps us to see how we engage in true and proper worship that he talked about in verses uh, one and two. He says, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others." We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance uh, with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it, it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. And so as living sacrifices... We know that Paul taught us in the first two verses of this chapter that we are not to conform to the world, but we are to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. So our minds are renewed through the power of the word, and we become living sacrifices, and we offer our mind and our, our, our body and our wills to the Lord. Now, that word transformed is the word metamorpho, by which we get our word metamorphosis, and it is a change. We have been changed, we have been impacted by the gospel in such a way that it has transformed everything about us. And so as living sacrifices, we take our body, our mind, and our will, and we consistently lay it down before the Lord, and we offer it to him. And he uses that offering to advance his kingdom. And the way that he does that is he distributes gifts. 
Okay, so there are gifts within the kingdom that God di- distributes to all of his um, followers for the use of advancing his kingdom. That's why I say you have to learn about what God has done and focus on what God has given you before you focus on what you will give God because it is in the transaction and transformation of God giving you something that he distributes spiritual giftings and it is those giftings that he has given us that we move forward with um, the advancement of the kingdom here on the planet. So just a few things uh, to consider that I see in this text that I want to share with you today. And the first one is this. Our transformation is demonstrated by exercising our spiritual gifts, okay? So when you say that I've been transformed by the power of Christ, that transformation is demonstrated when I exercise the gift that has been distributed by the Holy Spirit and put into my life. Now, you might be thinking, I don't even know what my gift is. And how do I know if I have one? Well, in verse 3, Paul says, in the very first verse I, I read there, I say to every one of you. Now, what is significant about that is that he is writing to the church in Rome whom he has never visited. He doesn't even know who he's writing to. He just knows there's a strong church there. It is a church that historically, scholars will agree, was not started by one of the apostles. It was started by lay people. It came out of the ground. It was strong. It was healthy. And he's, he's writing to them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And he's saying to every one of you, And I think that would carry over to every one of us today, too. To every one of you, he says this. And so we know that we all um, have a gift. If you are a believer, you have one or more gifts from the Holy Spirit. And this happens at salvation. When you are saved, the Bible says, and again, we learn this through chapters 1 through 11 of Romans, is that it talked about how all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. Like, we are all sinners who stand in need of God's grace. But when we recognize that, and we recognize that Jesus um, was God in the flesh, and he became a substitutionary death on the cross of Calvary for me to be forgiven of my sin and justified by grace through faith, when I call upon the name of the Lord... I shall be saved. Boom, right then. I I become a follower of Jesus. I give my life to him. And at that moment in time, God indwells me. And this is what the New Testament and the New Covenant is all about and the necessity of God becoming a man and dying on the cross of Calvary is God could not indwell a person. What do we mean by indwell? He lives in a person. This is why we say that a person is born again. They're born spiritually is because we believe that what is happening and what the Bible teaches theologically is that a man is dead in his sins and trespasses. He acknowledges Christ as as the Messiah, God in the flesh. He calls upon Jesus to save him from his sins and he is quickened and he comes alive in Christ. He is transformed. The old is gone. The new has come. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation, is what 2 Corinthians 5.17 teaches. So we come alive, and as Christ was resurrected in body, we are resurrected spiritually, and the Lord lives in us. And so now God lives in us, and as he comes to dwell in us, he distributes spiritual gifts. If you know Jesus, you have a spiritual gifting. Now, 
Um, it could be something that you're already good at. It could be a, a way in which God has um, uh, wired you already in the natural realm, but under the power of the Holy Spirit, whatever that is will be enhanced and anointed of the Holy Spirit so that you become even more effective at it than you were before you knew the Lord. And at other times, it will be something that you did not have the gift at all, that it just showed up in your life. You were totally unaware that you had the gift because you did not have it until you became a follower of Jesus. And Paul lists these different things. He says prophecy, serving, teaching, encouraging, um, giving, leading, and mercy. Now, this is intentionally not an exhaustive list, but it it, it paints a picture of an idea. Hey, there, these are some of the giftings. Now, what is the gift? Of, most of those are pretty self-explanatory, right? But the, the one of prophecy can be a little confusing. What does that mean? Well, the word prophecy uh, in both the Old and New Testament, it was more common in the Old Testament that, that a prophet would foretell the future. But they also um, proclaimed what was already told. So they already they also proclaimed um, things that previous prophets would have proclaimed, or things that were given to Moses as the law, and they would teach those things. And and even through King David um, and the Psalms, and uh, so they would they would also proclaim what had already been given. In the New Testament, there were some prophets that foretold the future, but we see as we get further and further along in um, the church in its history, and and it moves moves away from infancy, which is the day of Pentecost, to uh, moving on into, you know, 30, 40, 50, 60 years later, we see that some of the um, prophecy, like it's not talked about anymore as much in the terms of uh, someone foretelling a future event. And so it's used to um, sometimes describe a person being able to foretell the future, but very frequently it is used for someone just proclaiming what the Lord taught, what the word is. And so we could say that prophecy in this sense is a lot like preaching what I'm doing right now. I'm not foretelling the future. I don't ever try to tell you of something that is going to happen at a certain time. And this is what God has revealed to me that said it's going to happen. You'll never hear me do that. That's not the kind of prophet that I am. But in the sense of proclaiming what God has already revealed in the word, I am that prophet. And it is important for you to choose a prophet of God who proclaims, who always is proclaiming from the word of God. Because there are some modern day prophets that are using culture to teach you things that they're calling them the things of God and they are not. Okay? How do you know whether they are or they're not? It's already revealed. We don't have prophets that foretell new stuff. We tell what God has already said, and even the book of Revelation closes, it says, cursed be any man who adds to this, this book or this prophecy. And so that is, we don't need that. We have the word to, to teach us. And so um, I, I take a little time to describe that gifting because it might be like, well, what is that? Should I be um, looking for that? Again, this is not an exhaustive list. We have another list of spiritual gifts that includes some things that aren't included in this list in uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. That list is not exhaustive either. We'll get into that here a, a little bit. I'll teach a little more on that here in a few moments. What I want you to understand is that your transformation, the transformation that God did in your life when you came to know Christ is demonstrated by you exercising the spiritual gift that God gave to you. 
So a lot of times we think, well, how do I evangelize? How do I share with my friends? How do I share the gospel with my friends? Well, sometimes we need to, we need to uh, vocally communicate the gospel message to someone. That's sometimes we need to be engaged in that, um, that process when the Holy Spirit creates that moment. But we should always be demonstrating our spiritual gift to both our saved and lost friends. They should just see it. And when they see it, it is a tool of evangelism that the Holy Spirit will use to advance his kingdom. And so uh, some gifts, like I said, you will be able to recognize because God has naturally gifted you with something that he will supernaturally enhance and anoint um, as you are uh, indwelt by the Holy Spirit. And then there are other gift things that you don't know that you have until you step out in faith and start exercising them. So for me, for instance, um, I think I knew that I had a gifting of leadership. I, I like to lead. I've been leading all of my life, and uh, my, ki- my cousins will tell you that I'm notorious for talking them into doing things that got us in trouble all the time. It's a gift of leadership, right? I've just matured in it, and hopefully I'm not doing that uh, now. Uh, but, but the one gifting that I did, had no idea I had was preaching. Like, I never, I was scared to death um, when I was a kid. I was shy. Um, we would, if we went to department stores or anything, when I was a kid, it was real common to, uh, they would set up a booth or something. There would be a clown or a gorilla that you could get your picture taken with, or even Santa Claus. No way. I don't even want them seeing me. As a matter of fact, I would hide clowns in that context are weird. <laughs> okay. And so, but, but it wasn't just the weirdness of it. I was just afraid. I was, I was shy. I didn't want anybody to notice me. Um, and, 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 but that, that kind of stuff just terrified me. And so I, I never spoke, uh, never gave a speech in high school or anything like that. Um, didn't, just didn't know that I could speak. And I gave my life to the Lord and, um, and when I was nine, okay, so I had saving faith when I was nine, and I really, like, I, after going through a period of rebellion from 15 to 22, I, I really surrendered as a living sacrifice at the age of 22. I started asking, what am I doing with my life? If I really believe that Jesus is who he says he is, why would I live any differently than just a 100% sell out to him? And so I did that. And at that moment, man, I started reading the New Testament and I was blown away by the things that I was reading. And, and I had an understanding of it. Like I, I, it just made sense to me. And, and I felt like God was teaching me things. And I would pray like in, during the day I, I lived by myself. Well, I had a roommate, but he would be at work during the day. I worked a different shift and, and I would read the word and pray in the mornings. And I would walk around in my house as I was praying. And I started to notice that as I was praying, man, my prayers, they would turn into sermons. And I would be like, man, I think I just preached something. And I, that sounded pretty good. I was totally blown away by it. I had a dog at the time. It was a Rottweiler. He heard all of these sermons. He would tell you how great they are. If there ever was a dog that made it into heaven, it's him. And so, like, I, I, I was like, what is going on? Like, I, I couldn't believe this was happening. Much like what I'm preaching to you right now. Like, I did not go to college to learn how to preach. It just happened. And I didn't know what was happening inside of me. I went to my pastor, and I was like, hey, I... How did you know that you were supposed to go into ministry and answer the call to preach? And he was like, well, it's just all I could think about, you know. I just couldn't think about doing anything else. And 
And so that, he said, why don't, you, why don't you, in the next youth service, you give your testimony. Get some things together, and, and um, you'll just give your testimony in that service. So I got some things together, and, and I got up, and I preached like a 30-minute sermon. It was the easiest thing I'd ever done in my life. Just easy as it, it just rolled out of me. And I, I was like, well, I was one, I was having fun. Everybody else, I could tell them by their look because I was not preacher material like a year, the year before that. Like I was, <laughs> I was like Paul, chief of sinners, right? And they're listening to me going, what has happened here, right? I was exercising a gift. I was discovering it. I didn't even know it was in me, and I believe even to this day that it wasn't in me until I fully surrendered as a living sacrifice, and the Lord, he showed it to me, and it came out, and he's like, I, I want to use you to do something specific. And so my gift, there it was, and I started exercising it, and um, as I... Um, exercise that spiritual gifting, I'm demonstrating my transformation to you. And so the Lord brought me here and, um, you know, 10 years ago, 11 years ago, whatever, 12, is it? How many years is it? 11. Thank you, honey. And, uh, and so like, uh, th th there were just a handful of people here and I exercised my gifting with them and they discovered in the process of me exercising my gift, their gifts, and we started moving forward and it's taken some time. But many of you will even say to me on a, on a, a Sunday, hey, I really appreciate what, what you taught today. I was really encouraged by uh, the things that you said. What is happening is I'm just exercising my spiritual gift and it is demonstrating my transformation and the Lord is advancing the kingdom in your life. That's because I have the gift of prophecy, right? Proclamation. You have a gift that the Lord wants to use the same way and, and it, it's not, it may not be the gift that I have, but you have your own unique gifting. And just as the Lord is using me to advance something, he will use you to advance something. Just as he uses um, Sean to, with the gifting of worship. Again, worship is not listed in this um, list. And so we know that it is not an exhaustive list, but it is something that Paul is trying to say, hey, Whenever you exercise your gift, it will demonstrate your transformation, and God uses that in order to advance his kingdom. Here's the second takeaway. Jesus gives each of us a measure of faith by which to serve him. So every person that is a believer in Christ also has a measure of faith by which God has distributed along with their spiritual gift to serve him. If you are not exercising your gift to the body, you are not functioning as a living sacrifice. Not only are you not functioning as a living sacrifice, you are not experiencing the abundant life that Christ talks about in John chapter 10, verse 10, where he says, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. The way that the Lord is going to give that abundance of life to us is when we, we discover our giftings that have been given supernaturally and we start exercising them for the kingdom, then we're laying down our lives as a living sacrifice and the spirit is moving and we start experiencing and engaging in activity that brings more meaning to us than anything else in this world possibly can. 
And it becomes more important to us than fame or money or success or career advancement than anything because it is the only thing that gets us in touch and living in harmony in what our new life is, which is eternal. We're now functioning in an eternal gifting that was specifically given to us to advance the eternal gospel in the lives of others. And it's the only way I can live the most meaningful life. So everything else in my life must become secondary as I recognize, hey, the Lord has given me a measure of faith to serve him. So how do we exercise our gifts? Well, Jesus is the head of the body, and that's why he gets to measure a portion of faith for each of us. Now, this is important to note. I am not talking about saving faith. Saving faith is the same. I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. I call upon him and I am saved from the wrath of God and my sins are forgiven. That is saving faith. We're talking about serving faith. So there's saving faith and there's serving faith. And serving faith is when I begin to recognize that um, the church, uh, we are one body with many parts and all are essential. So I've described the gift of prophecy, and honestly, I'm going to use my gifting because I'm speaking from experience, and, and that's what makes sense to me. But it is a very upfront and visible gifting, okay? Sean's gifting is a visible gifting when he leads worship. It's not the only gifting that I utilize to advance the things of kingdom and, and exercise my spiritual gifting, but it is one that is out front. There are all kinds of giftings, and, and Paul begins to use the body, and he says, look, one part of the body can't say that it doesn't need the other part, and one of the most essential things about my body that you've never seen is my stomach, right? You're laughing because you can see my stomach sticking out, right? <laughs> but my stomach does something. It creates the ability even for me to think and do, and it, but it, it it, it is not one that is out front all the time. Like you don't see it, but it is essential. And so Paul is trying to say, man, there are all these different things that are essential and each of us plays a crucial role for the support of the body. And when we have our saving faith and we come into the kingdom, we need to develop our serving faith by thinking about all of the things that God has given us in chapters one through 11. Then it teaches us that God has put all of this in us and now we know what is in us so that we can give it back to God and offer back to him and give him what he actually has given us. That's, that's how this thing is supposed to work. And so we don't belong to ourselves. We belong to each other. Just like um, my right hand doesn't belong to itself, it belongs to the left hand. We, we get the things together and we can start to, to do work. And so that no part of the body uh, can say that it's off on its own. And so different gifts are distributed by grace. That's what this teaches. Now, what does that mean? Why is that important? Because it says, by grace, you are saved. So again, we go through chapters 1 through 11 we see a, a gospel that is taught that you cannot earn. As a matter of fact, if you try to earn it, you're going to mess it all up and you'll just become a Pharisee, a modern day Pharisee. And so it, we see that it is by grace that we are saved through faith. It is also by grace that we receive a spiritual gift. You cannot earn a gift. 
You cannot say, well, I'm going to do this, this, and this. I want to, I want to be a, 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 a preacher. Or I want to be that. I want to be a... No, no, the gift comes from the Holy Spirit, and it is according to how God has determined, and that's what grace is. It's free. It's just something that comes into my life that Jesus as the head gets to decide and distribute a measure of faith according to grace that he dispenses in my life. The word different here, as he talks about these different gifts, is the word diaphoros, and it means varying in kind. And so the gifts are different according to what the Holy Spirit needs. Now, I love this, okay? Um, is that it's like a painter who is painting, and he has on his palette different colors, and he needs a particular shade that he wants to put on the canvas that will translate back to the person who will look at his work. And so he might take a little bit of blue and a little bit of yellow to make a, a specific color that he wants in this portion of the painting. And it's not a color he bought. It's a color that he has mixed for the particular painting that he's painting that is going to tell the story of what he sees in his, his mind. And so God does the same thing in the church. And for particular times, he paints particular colors. So we're not saying that, hey, here's a spiritual gifts inventory. You take all these things and your gifting is listed on here. Your gifting is going to be according to what Jesus needs in a specific time and place in history. That's why we can read some of the old uh, theologians. Man, you can go back and read theologians from 100 or 200 years ago, and you read some of the stuff they've written. You're like, this is brilliant. How did they write this? This is supernatural gifting that God wanted in that particular time. Even the Apostle Paul. Like what we're reading, some of the greatest theological work that has ever hit the planet is the book of Romans. And Paul even breaks out in the doxology is like, oh, how glorious God is to give me like the depths of his, his mind. He's saying to us, this all came from God. It was a gifting that came to him through his apostolic ministry to be able to write the word of God because specifically God wanted to preserve Romans because he knew that if he preserved his truth in the word that even 2,000 years later that Jimmy, who had the gift of prophecy, would proclaim what is already revealed and help the people of Christ who are sitting in the chairs to receive the word of God and guide them in how the kingdom would advance in the planet until Christ returns. And that's how the giftings work. And so Jesus, like he gets to decide um, that you have a, a measure of faith and gift. Uh, that's what it's all about is your measure of faith is God gives you a measure of faith. He gives you a gift and then you exercise that and it, you develop it and you get stronger and better at it. And the church begins um, to grow as a result of it. And what I, I, I think is really important is that the Lord, like, he blends these things, and he uses them at specific times. Um, you remember this summer, I, we had Corey preach, and that one of the reasons I wanted Corey to preach is because I recognized Corey has a little preach in him, right? He doesn't realize that, but we all know that. He gets up here, and he gets fired up and excited. It's because a little bit of the gifting of prophecy and preaching the word is in him. Now, he may not be called to be a, a full-time pastor or preacher, teacher, but he has that gifting. And some of you have that gifting. You say, well, how do I know if I have that gifting? You will know if you will continue to listen to the Lord. And, and others will know as well, as it will be clearly recognized as you're taking the measure of faith that God has apportioned to you in your life as he has gracefully given you a gift and you exercise it, the church will recognize it. 
And so there are things, as we look here, is that um, there are things that we are good at and there are things that we are not good at, but God has made somebody good at everything that is needed for a particular time in church history to accomplish what he wants to accomplish in the kingdom. And so we have to have um, demonstrate by exercise. We demonstrate our transformation by exercising our spiritual gifts. We have to understand that Jesus gives a measure of faith by which each of us is to serve him. And finally, the pro- we must have a proper attitude toward our gift, and that is humility. And this is very, very important. And, and, and Paul, he, he, he gets into that, and the Holy Spirit leads him. He says, don't think too highly than you ought to about this. And so it's important to have that proper view of how the gospel has transformed you. Not too high of a view of the gifting inside of you, but also not too low, but actually what it is that has happened in your life. And it is according to the measure of serving faith that Christ has dispensed to you. You can think too highly or too lowly of your gifting, and both are the sin of pride, okay? And so for me, looking back um, at my life, uh, so as I talk sometimes about the things the Lord has taught me over the years, what you need to know is that there's never been a time in my life where I was not deeply in love with the Lord or deeply committed to the Lord. But there have been times in my life, even after my laying down my life as a living sacrifice, that I have stumbled. And, and, and one of the things I think that made me a very vulnerable at a time in my life is that things were moving and the Lord had gifted me with this gift of, of communication and teaching and preaching. And I'd, I never intended to do this, but as I look back, I think I'd gotten a little bit of spiritual arrogance inside of me, a little bit of pride about how good I was at preaching and teaching the word. And I think I probably made others feel that, maybe younger guys who didn't have that gifting. And I, I really think I arrived at a place, not, not knowingly, okay, obviously I know it now, and the Lord has a way of humbling you, and that's a story for another time that I, I do think the Lord was going to have me share with you guys as a body. But, but uh, th- there's, there's an experience uh, that I went through that I think I, I didn't realize I crossed a line, and it's a very thin line. I think it happens to a lot of pastors, is you start to think the Lord needs you. <laughs> God doesn't need me. Like, God doesn't need, he doesn't even need me to come in and teach you a really good word today. Like, he literally used a donkey one time to speak to a guy. Okay? If we translate that into the King James, that shows you my value to the, to, to the Lord, right? It's, he doesn't need me. He uses me, but he doesn't need me to do, I cannot add any value to who God is. Anything that I do that is good is not, is not going to make God better. It's not going to make him uh, holier, m- m- more loving, nothing. Like, it's, this is really a chance for the Lord. He, if, as a matter of fact, if I will not lay my life down as a living sacrifice, he'll use something else. He'll use someone else. And so it is not um, that the Lord needs me. And again, if, if we have too high of a view of our gifting, the Lord will humble us. He will find a way to humble us. And that can be a very painful experience to walk through. And, and so some of you, I know you're sitting there and you're going, you know what? I remember when I went to this church, the guy was really a good preacher, but he was so full of himself and he needs to hear this. 
You can think too low of your gifting too and think you don't have one. And you're just as guilty as the preacher who thinks too much of his preaching. If you don't recognize you have a gift and you don't develop it and you don't look, you think too low of your gifting. And it's just as much of a sin to think too low of the spiritual gift as it is to think too high of it. And so what are we to do? We're to be balanced and humble and recognize the Lord doesn't need us, but he wants us. And one of the reasons he wants us is he's going to use us to shape us and move the kingdom forward. And so neglecting your gift is sin, failing to use your gift is sin, thinking um, too highly of your gift is sin, but walking in humility as the Lord wants you to is one of the greatest things you can do to bring glory to the Lord. And that's what we're trying to do is bring glory to God and let him tell the story through us and recognize I'm just a shade on his palette as he's creating a work of art. And locally, in the context of a body of believers, that work of art and the painting is framed around OPCC, Overland Park Community Church. There's a portrait that God is painting in this community that has to do with us and how we yield to what it is that he desires for us to do. And that brings us to the big idea. Spiritual gifts are tools to, be, to build with, not toys to play with. So there, there's a gifting that God gives each of us. And the most important thing about you in this life is the spiritual gift the Lord has given you. There's nothing more important. Like there's an eternal um, quality of life about you, and that eternal gifting that is given to you is all about advancing the business of the king. Verse 1 started with, that we looked at last week, true and proper worship. And true and proper worship is exercising your spiritual gift as a living sacrifice for the Lord Jesus Christ. And what you need to know is you are perfectly gifted. You shouldn't seek a gift he has not given you, nor should you neglect a gift that he has. And so I want to kind of... read this fictitious article that I found in my preparation. It's, a, it's an article that was taken from a, a school newspaper written about um, some animals. Once upon a time, the animals decided they should do something meaningful to meet the problems of the new world. So they organized a school. They adopted an activity curriculum of running, climbing, swimming, and flying. To make it easier to administer the curriculum, all the animals took all the subjects. The duck was excellent in swimming, in fact, better than his instructor. But he made only passing grades in flying and was very poor in running. Since he was slow in running, he had to drop swimming and stay after school to practice running. This caused his webbed feet to be badly worn so that he became only average in swimming. But average was quite acceptable, so nobody worried about that except the duck. The rabbit started at the top of his class in running, but developed a nervous twitch in his leg muscles because of so much makeup work and swimming. The squirrel was excellent in climbing, but he encountered constant frustration in flying class because his teacher made him start from the ground up instead of from the treetop down. He developed charley horses from overexertion and so only got a C in climbing and a D in running. The eagle was a problem child. 
and was severely disciplined for being a nonconformist. In climbing classes, he beat all the others to the top of the tree, but insisted on using his own way to get there. And why did I tell that story? Because you aren't me, and I'm not you, but you belong to me, and I belong to you for him. And so he's the head, and he brings us together. And this is so refreshing. There are just some things that I'm terrible at. Now, I could try to get better at them, but I'm just going to end up like the duck. And I'm going to be average in other places if I'm focusing on something that I'm not good at that God has not gifted me at and that you are good at. And so what I have to be good at is recognizing who are the people around me that God has placed in my life that are gifted to help me in this area. And, and, and so we, we belong to each other, and we function in the body of Christ like that. And so even when you are not present, that impacts me. Like when you are not engaged and, and committed in helping the kingdom move forward, that has an impact on my life. Why, why does it not just impact you? Because you belong to me and I belong to you and that is all for him. And if we're not together strengthening one another and encouraging one another, then we can't accomplish all that the Lord wants us to accomplish. Um, I'm thankful like the Lord sent us Grant and he's great at coaching and developing and executing things. That's fantastic. We don't need five me's. We have five means we're going to have a whole bunch of ideas and none of it getting implemented, right? And so the Lord raises up teachers and he raises up preachers and he raises up people who serve and, and some people are in front, out front, some people are behind the scenes. None of it is more important than any of the rest. It's all like one thing as long as Jesus as the head because now we're focused on him getting the glory and we don't care that somebody else is doing this or that person is doing that. We recognize, man, the Lord has given us all um, uh, the blessing of salvation and the reason that we are saved is for the gospel to move forward in the lives of other people and we belong to each other and we function in society in a, a place of unity and as we exercise our spiritual gifts, uh, gifts with Christ as the head, the outside world who is so divisive looks inside the church and they see, not inside the building, but the body, they see unity and they're drawn to it because they know nothing of it. Because it is an eternal experience. And so my encouragement to you today is to know, man, the Lord has gifted you uniquely for the kingdom for this moment in time. And the only way that our church can be what it's supposed to be it's not by me being a great communicator and us having great worship. Like, those are essential pieces. But, man, you've got to do you. You've got to do what the Lord has gifted you to do, or we will never be the church this community needs. We just can't be. Because it is... When the Lord starts working amongst a group of people and they're exercising their gifts, then something special happens because Christ is at the head and the thing starts getting divine momentum and more transformation happens. And so I want you to hear that word from the Lord and know that, man, that's the way the Lord has been building his church.
for 2,000 years, and he's not going to stop. So whatever lies ahead of us is directly tied to your offering in 2023. He wants your mind. He wants your body. He wants your will because he's put your gifts all inside of that to function for his kingdom. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love and your grace. We thank you for gifts, Lord. That's amazing. It's amazing to think that when we come to know you, you give us a supernatural gift to advance your kingdom. We're excited about that. We pray that you would help us to walk in it and exercise it for your glory, Lord. And may you do something with this painting, this ministry of OPCC that is beyond all of our abilities to invite in our, invent in our minds. It's, it's beyond us because it is in your mind, Lord. You are the head. We're just parts of the body. So help us to be good at listening to where you're leading and serving how you've gifted us to serve. Thank you for listening to audio from Overland Park Community Church in Overland Park, Kansas. For more information, visit us online at overlandpark.cc.